This week's podcast interview is with Bruno Piggott, the Commissioner of the Indiana Department of Environmental Management. Bruno gives us the State of the Union on the environmental initiatives and future priorities for IDEM in 2021. We had so much to talk about, we had to create two episodes. In episode one, you will hear how IDEM is managing the COVID crisis, the future of EV charging stations, and their statewide air quality improvements. So check it out. Welcome to the Environmental Transformation Podcast, where we talk with industry leaders who are making an impact in their businesses. Each leader is solving complex challenges and providing solutions within their respective areas of expertise. Our host is Sean Grady. He is passionate about helping clients transform their businesses and solving their environmental challenges. And here's our host, Sean Grady. This episode is sponsored by Infos. Do you work in remediation management? Are you still settling for using Excel or ad hoc systems to manage your entire portfolio? Well, they get it. It's been that way forever, right? What's a remediation professional supposed to use when general project management tools just don't cut it and spreadsheets cause the same old problems that have been around for decades? Well, meet Infos, an enterprise software platform designed specifically to help remediation professionals transform the way they work. It lets you manage your site information, financial plans, and lab data all in one place, synced, accurate, and secure. With over 20 years in the industry, Infos is trusted by some of the biggest companies on earth. Find out how much time and money you can save by adopting an all-in-one management platform built specifically for remediation project management. To learn more, visit www.infos.com. That's www.enfos.com. Bruno Piggott, welcome to the Environmental Transformation Podcast. Thank you, Sean. Appreciate being here. Oh, man, I'm so excited to have this uh, interview with you. Um, And um, so many of you may know Bruno, but if you don't, let me give you a quick little bio on Bruno. Uh, Bruno Piggott, he is one of the country's environmental agency leaders. He was appointed by the governor of Indiana, Governor Holcomb, to lead the Indiana Department of Environmental Management and serves in the governor's cabinet. He's an experienced commissioner who has demonstrated a history of working with industry, municipalities, environmental organizations in Indiana and nationally to protect and enhance the environment. Bruno is uh, also involved with serving as the commissioner of the Great Lakes Commission and as an Orsenko commissioner. And he's also served as an elected official. So Bruno, thank you for joining the ET podcast. And, um, you know, a couple of weeks, well, actually a couple of months ago, I responded to an IDEM post of, uh, on social media. And uh, it was about, you know, me responding to a post associated with a project I worked on 20 years ago. It was the Continental Steel Superfund site. And as a result of that, the communications folks there at IDEM and uh, got in contact with me and you. And, and we were, I was invited to come support uh, a little morning minutes with Bruno, which is the uh, little show you guys do once a week. And which I thought was really, really cool. And you guys, during that session, you interview agency heads, legislatures, you know, you take questions from staff and I thought it was a great time, lots of fun. And, you know, so thanks for inviting me to that morning show with you. And how'd you get started doing that? Well, Sean, you know, everybody's been dealing with the, the COVID pandemic. Right. And 
when we first were told by the governor, look, you guys have to go home and, and work from home. We still right. want you to do your work. We realized that being um, at home meant we were going to be separated. And, and usually when you're in the office, you talk to your neighbor over a cup of coffee or, or at the water cooler or walking down the hall. And, and that informal communication is really useful. Um, we also thought, you know, there might be times when we need to talk to staff about something. And, and mm-hmm. you know, the old school method of doing that might be, uh, you know, sending out an email. But mm-hmm. we decided that uh, at, during the pandemic, we really needed to over communicate. We needed to build a sense of team. We needed to talk to people about the work they were doing, ask them questions, but also uh, just maintain uh, constant communication with people. I felt like over communicating would be most helpful for our agency. And so we yeah. decided, well, how can we do that? Uh, and we had just been introduced to the Teams uh, format. Yeah, yeah, you know, the, the Teams platform. Well, Love we, it. uh, yeah, it's great. And, and uh, you can send instant messages, but also you can get on and talk with one another with uh, with a, a, a visual as well as a sound platform. And so we decided we would do that and, and have a little um, a meeting every day with staff. And of course, we've got a lot of creative people in the office. And so they decided that not only would we uh, ha- have these uh, announcements and meetings, but we would make it into kind of a a programmer show. Yeah. Where we had <laughs> a little introduction, a little music. We yeah. had some repartee. We'd have an opportunity for people to talk with one another. And uh, so we started just by talking about what, what were we doing at home? How were things working out? Then after getting through some of that, we decided, well, we should talk about the work we're doing. Mm-hmm. And, and so we had staff members come on and start talking about the the work that they were doing in the agency. Because, you know, we've got 800 people and those 800 people do a variety of different things. Sure. And yeah, and so no, not everybody knows what the other people are doing. We yeah. thought, okay, so it's a great opportunity to talk about what we're all working on, the different things, how it all works. And we had those conversations and they were cool. And then we started thinking, well, what about people outside the agency? You know, there are a lot of people that are doing great things that don't just work in our agency. Let's learn about what they're doing, too. Uh Um, And and so we talked to senators. We talked to congressmen. We talked to uh, we talked to evangelical leaders in 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 churches about climate change issues. We talked about uh, just about everything we could think of. And and that's how we we got. a thought about you. Well, let's talk to Sean Grady too about <laughs> what he's doing and what yeah. he, what it's like to work in in his position because he's an he's an item person. Really, we count yeah. you still as an item. Yeah, person. I'm still part of the family. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, so that's how it started, and it's just been a really uh, a lot of fun. 
um, oh, because that, that we learn was... about stuff. Yeah. No, that, that was a lot of fun. And, that, you know, doing that, being able to talk about what I do as a consultant and, and my journey, you know, outside the agency and helping, you know, clients stay in compliance and stuff. I, I really enjoyed that. And I thought I heard some feedback from some of the iDemers and they, they really, you know, appreciated that. And they said they really liked the show. You know, that was a good segment for them. So, you know, I thought that was great. Um, well, you know, that, you know, so you're going to continue doing those. I'm assuming you're, it's like you're doing them every week and that's not going that's away, right. right? That's right. It's not going away. In fact, if people are, uh, are saying, Hey, when you're not on, we, we miss it. And we want, we want you to be there and we right. want to, we want to have these discussions. Not everybody listens all the time, but people come and go and, and it's, it's yeah. just really useful. And, and people did, Boy, did they enjoy talking and listening uh, to you, Sean. You had a lot of friends who were still in the agency, and they were like, hey, Sean's on. You know, it was a great, uh, a really good thing. So we'll continue doing this. And even after I think we're all in the office, we'll still get together and have these uh, communications. It's, it's, it's just a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. I don't know that I should get paid for doing that. I should consider that vacation time. Don't tell yeah. my boss, though. Oh, I don't know, man. I think you're doing a good service to the agency. I mean, just being able to shine a light on the various different projects that people are doing within the agency. I mean, you know, people probably don't know what, you know, like, you know, the OPPTA guys are doing versus, you know, the air compliance guys versus the record inspectors versus, you know, the office of water management, you know, permitting people. I mean, there's so many different facets there that, um, you know, people need to hear about it. it. You guys are all doing great work. Love it. You know what's fun, Sean? We have a we have a group of people that do criminal enforcement, and, uh -huh. and so and, and they're former police officers. Yeah. So we we had these guys on the show, and, and when you think of item, you don't think of police officers. You might think yeah. of scientists, and and so these guys were wildly entertaining because not only they talk talk about their work at item, but they also talked about you know what their life was like before. I them working as police officers. And, yeah, they, and probably really love, cool. they probably love coming to work at I them. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. It's a little safer. <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. I'd say so. <laughs> That's great. Well, well, tell us a, a little bit of how you got started on your journey to become an IDEM commissioner. I think that's an interesting, uh, I'm sure that's going to be an interesting little summary here. So, so more yeah, well, it happened a long time ago. I've been working at the agency for 20 years going on my 21st in January. And I started, um, I was in uh, grad school uh, at the uh, SPIA program. And uh -huh. I uh, was trying to figure out, oh, what am I going to do? You know, what? how do I make a difference? What, what kind of work is interesting to me? And I, I took a class and one of the people in the class was uh, the assistant commissioner for the Office of Water Quality at the time. And, and he and I start I started talking, and, and we studied together a little bit, and, and uh, I took several classes together. And and close to the end of my master's uh, program, he came up to me and said, "Hey, uh, would you be interested in working at our agency?" And I said, "Well, uh, maybe. Uh, what, what, what kind of what kind of jobs do you have?" And he offered me some job in our operations area, and I asked him lots of questions about it. And, and I started thinking, no, I, I really don't want to do that job. It, it, it's, it's a really important job, but it's not, it's just not for me. 
And so I I said, nah, I'm not interested. (laughs) And then a little while later, he came back and he said, well, how would you like to come and work at our state revolving fund program? The state revolving fund program is a program that makes low interest rate loans to communities throughout the state for water and wastewater improvements. Mm -hmm. And you get to market the program, you get to do all this exciting work, uh, and you're helping communities environmentally. And I thought, well, that sounds pretty interesting. Um, It has kind of a finance angle and it's got an environmental angle. Uh, Yeah, it sounds great. So he hired me on and I started working as the section chief of the state revolving fund program. And uh, little did I know uh, at the time that I was hired, but we had a huge backlog of loans (laughs) that we hadn't processed. And he needed someone to come in and clean up Uh, the mess and get rid of the backlog. I think he he did a little bait and switch with you on that situation. (laughs) (laughs) It was totally a bait and switch move. And and Uh, I came in, I remember thinking, oh, what have I gotten into? And yeah. I remember talking to him one day and he's like, I'm sure you'll do a great job of cleaning up this stuff. <laughs> I'm like, oh, geez. okay. So, no, so I did good. that for a couple of years and then I moved on to our uh, water compliance area. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I moved on to our permits area and worked in permitting. And then in 2005, when Mitch Daniels was elected uh, the governor, mm-hmm. uh his uh, his commissioner, Tom Easterly, hired me to run the Office of Water Quality. And I did that for 10 years. Um, and uh, it was a great opportunity to learn a lot about water and the different aspects of, of what we do in water. And then in 2016, mm-hmm. he retired um, and I was made the chief of staff. Um, and uh, uh, Carol Comer was named as commissioner of the agency at the time. And then in 2017, there was a change of administrations. Uh, Governor Holcomb was elected and appointed me to be the commissioner. Now, I had somewhat of a record before uh, coming to the agency working on environmental issues. I had uh, worked at a foundation a long time ago uh, that uh-huh. worked on what was called the Earth Summit in 1992. I had uh, also been an elected official. I was elected to the Iowa City City Council and served City Council there. And one of the most um, really relevant issues associated with that was that I was able to, uh, well, I was forced to vote on uh, increasing the city's uh, water and sewer rates so we could build a new water and and wastewater (laughs) treatment plant. And I learned, I'll tell you what, Sean, I learned through that process that when you vote for a rate increase, is detrimental to your reelection <laughs> chances. <laughs> it was good yeah, for the environment, that, but not good right. for re- getting reelected. So yeah, you you were paying the price for doing something good for the environment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and so that was, but it was really informative. It's a great way to learn about how an elected official works, what they do, the pressures they're under, um, and, and the whole uh, gamut of things. So I had worked uh, in that area. I worked at a foundation before I came to our agency and worked in the state revolving fund program and then worked my way up to the commission. 
Wow, that's that's a that's a yeah. nice little journey there. You've got to see a lot of the, uh, you know, the aspects of the agency and at work, and now you're kind of at the helm, watching it all and managing it, and you know, kind of quarterbacking it at your level. So you're the CEO of the agency. So uh, that's that's really great. I mean, I think that's a a lot of uh, responsibility, obviously. So so what's it the typical day like for you? Um, what type of projects or tasks or do you have to do regularly to oversee the agency? Well, uh, first of all, it seems like uh, you're kind of in firefighter mode in the agency when you're in the commissioner head. You usually deal with uh, things that are problematic that didn't get mm-hmm. solved at, at some other level. Or mm-hmm. you try to explain the agency's position to uh, stakeholders, maybe mm-hmm. to permittees, maybe to environmental groups. Um, and then you have to explain the agency and, and what it does to the governor's office as well, mm-hmm. because, you know, the governor's a smart man. His staff are, are really experienced, uh, wonderfully smart people, but they didn't uh, work in the environmental arena. Right. And, and as an environmental person yourself, Sean, you know, we environmental workers have our own lingo. We have our yeah. own acronyms. acronyms. <laughs> yeah. And, and you give us a chance, we can talk for hours about stuff like flue gas desulfurization. And and nobody cares about that stuff. Right. So they yeah. need somebody to talk to them about the work that happens in our agency in a way that can, can communicate it effectively to the public. So, sure. so there are, those are all things I do. I, I uh, I meet with the governor. I meet with the cabinet. I talk to our staff on a daily basis in a in kind of a rotating fashion. I, I like to walk around the office and sit mm-hmm. down in people's cubicles and ask them what they're working on and, and how it's going, just to mm-hmm. get a sense of the work we're doing. I realize also as the as the agency head, it can be one of the more isolating positions in the agency. I I mean, I'm not amongst all of the people all the time. So you really have to make an effort to reach out, to talk to the staff, to understand what's really happening in the agency. Uh, So I do a lot of that. I also work with external uh, groups. Uh, I, I, uh, today I was on a call with the Great Lakes Commission. I'm a Mm -hmm. commissioner of the Great Lakes Commission, which means I represent the Indiana environmental interests on the mm-hmm. commission. I'm a member of the Ohio River Sanitation Commission, which means that I represent Indiana's viewpoint on that commission, which deals with the Ohio River. And I deal with other state agencies uh, it, it, that do environmental work as well. So it's a sure. whole host of things and it changes day to day. Hey, listeners, if you're looking for a drilling and an environmental contracting firm to help you delineate the extent of contamination at your site, well, look no further than Cascade Environmental. They are the only field services contractor with the personnel and equipment needed to work with you from project conception to completion. 
Cascade has over 37 offices across the country and offers a huge range of environmental and geotechnical drilling, site characterization, and remediation services. Thanks to their technical expertise, huge fleet of equipment, and nationwide coverage, Cascade is a great choice to support your environmental and infrastructure project needs. To learn more, check them out at www.cascade-env.com. That's www.cascade-env.com. I can't imagine that, you know, yeah, you're fire, like you said, you're firefighting a lot, uh, you know, and just trying to keep ahead of the, the tasks that come up that, you know, you have to do like these uh, meetings with the, the various commissions and reporting. Yeah, it's a lot. And I, you know, it, it being, you know, I think having that, uh, that minute, that morning minutes section, I think with staff uh, really kind of personalizes, you know, you to them and they don't have that. Probably they don't probably have the, the fear complex of, Oh my gosh, here's Bruno coming to talk, sit in my cube to ask me what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> my project, yeah. you know, that you become more of a, a real, you know, down to earth person. I really like that about what you've done there. That's pretty neat. Well, it's important. You know, we, I mean, I've worked for, a number of different commissioners in our agency, and they're all really good people and, and have uh -huh. done a really great job and had strengths that I don't have. Um, uh -huh. the, the, you know, Tom Easterly was a commissioner and he was technically really astute. Uh -huh. um, and, and he could understand just a, a ton of technical detail. Uh, Carol Comer uh, was a lawyer who in our agency, and so she was really proficient and understanding the legal intricacies of, of the work we do. Uh, mm -hmm. Lori Kaplan had worked at DNR and, and uh, our agency. And, mm -hmm. and so she had a broad base of understanding. I, I may not have any of those skills that those people have, but what I do have is an understanding of the people uh, in the agency, who does what, who knows what, so that yeah, I important. can... Yeah, and, and I think that's vitally important. Get the answers under, you need. Yes, uh, <laughs> right? uh, the commissioner. Yeah, the commissioner does not have to be the person who knows everything, but the commissioner right. needs to be able to get that information and deliver it in a way that makes sense to people. Uh, also, uh, you know, we pride ourselves on being responsive to people. Uh, I cannot be responsive if I don't know what my colleagues are doing. And the best way to do it is just to ask. So I do sure. that on a regular basis. No, that's great. Not as that's much good. as I'd like to, by the way, but. Well, yeah, but you, you got a lot on your plate, so you can do what you got to do what you can do. But uh, well, so, yeah. okay. Well, what are some of the big initiatives that IDEM's pursuing in 2021? Because, you know, we're, we're at the end of the 2020 now, you know, we got, you know, all next year in front of us and it's around the corner here. What are the big uh, the big ideas or the you know things that you're going to be pushing on as an agency? Well, we're working in such a, a wide variety of areas. Uh, I'll do my best to try to skim and give you the the big things. One of the big things we're working on is not a regulatory issue, but it's really um, an issue regarding uh, how best to assist. Uh, folks in terms of uh, reducing NOx emissions. And, and mm -hmm. you remember a couple years ago, VW was uh, was taken yeah. to court by the Department of Justice. Remember that? Because they had mm -hmm. these uh, devices on their vehicles that would defeat the pollution control equipment. 
mm-hmm. um, in an effort to increase the mileage that w- the vehicles got. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were caught. And so the Department of Justice sued them and they had to agree to replace all the vehicles that they had sold with these defeat devices on them. That was one thing that they did. The other thing they did was provide states throughout the uh, country with a pile of money that was based on the number of vehicles that were sold in um, the, in each state. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that the states are all allowed to spend that money on projects that would help reduce nitrogen oxide emissions into the environment. Um, right. And, and uh, so we have, uh, we were given $41 million. Wow. And yeah, and I became the trustee of that $41 million. Wow. And That's the go- Yeah, so the governor established a panel of people, including me, and our job was to come up with projects that we could fund that would help offset these emissions. And some of them involved funding um, schools to replace some some school buses with electric school buses or propane school buses. Uh Other uh, other things, we we actually replaced an engine on a tugboat that made (laughs) it a clean running tugboat. A lot nice. of over-the-road vehicles, trucks uh, had uh, new engines put in place that were either clean diesel or propane or electric. And, and okay. that was big and, and good. Now, in 2021 and 2020, we're working on a, a proposal that would establish a statewide fast vehicle charging network for electric oh. vehicles, which is wow. really cool. Yeah, no, that's super that. cool. Yeah. That is that, so. So this uh, plan would be to, uh, you know, kind of set up charging stations that you know throughout the, uh, the interstate highway systems. Yeah, you, you know how people when they buy, or, or some people can be hesitant to buy an electric vehicle, not because they don't like the idea or that they don't think it runs, but they're worried that on a trip somewhere. They won't be able to complete it because that they they will run, run out of juice. energy. Yeah. yeah, and there'll be no place to charge it. Sure. So we thought a, a transformative project with this money could be using this money to establish charging stations on heavily traveled areas like I sixty nine, I sixty five, US thirty one, right. and, right. and so that uh, the people might be encouraged to buy electric vehicles, and those who have them could charge up and make it through the state without a problem. No, that's, that's fantastic. And, and I think that's one of the, the, the holdbacks, so to speak of people buying EV cars because, um, yeah, they, you know, it's like how you know, they may have to purchase their own charging station for their home. So that way when the car's in the, in the garage, it'll charge. Right. So there's a, you know, concept they got to think about and then where do they go to, to charge? And, and if more of these, you know, charging stations are available, you know, I think, um, I, you know, so funny story I, in California, I do some work out there and, and um, there's these Tesla charging stations right in front yeah. of the Marriott hotel that we would stay at, you know? And so you would go there and all of a sudden you'd see like eight different Tesla cars sitting there charging up and they're all inside drinking coffee at the, at the little coffee shop <laughs> cafe inside the restaurant while they're charging. Or some would probably sit in their cars reading the reading the paper or whatever, you know, scrolling. But uh, you know, it was really, really kind of you know telling. I was like, okay, so 
how do we get those types of you know locations and start charging stations set up in in these rural areas or in the midwest uh, you know on the west coast it's kind of progressive they're they're into that stuff more than we are here yet you know right now but this is fantastic news because i think you're going to see an adoption of a lot more people investing in the evs uh if uh there's a network out there yeah and, and you know the manufacturers are building more and more uh electric vehicles there are companies that are, are actually creating uh, electric pickup trucks, a company yeah. called Rivian, and, and you know they're they're not outrageously expensive. Right. I mean, they're not cheap either, but they're, no. they're certainly <laughs> go go buy a pickup truck today, and they are expensive anyway. But uh, right. but they're not out of the marketplace, so it, it really I think should help people say, you know what, I, I'm going to go for that electric vehicle. It's pretty cool. And I know that I'll be able to make it anywhere. So I think that's a really exciting initiative that we're undertaking. And it's so good, Sean, to be able to take and have an initiative that isn't regulatory in approach. That's actually helping to pull people along and incentivize stuff because uh, we're all about regulation in our agency. Typically, typically. yeah, (laughs) Yeah. And so sometimes it's good to have have a little incentivization and no, so that's I a big that. one for us so what do you think the timeline is to um you know make this a reality as far as implementing a, a charging network well right now we've got four i think four statewide proposals in front of us but mm-hmm. they the the proposals have different levels of information some mm-hmm. identified that they'll have a certain number of charging stations, but they don't tell us where they're going to be. Others mm. tell us we're going to have fewer charging stations, but tell us exactly where they're going to be. Mm. So in an effort to try to get a, a, a basis of comparison that makes sense, we're putting out questions for the people that are interested in in setting up such a proposal and, and network mm-hmm. to mm. answer so that we can judge which proposal makes most sense. And that'll take, I think... Uh, 90 days for them to be able to answer all those questions. And then, Uh so I expect in mid 2021, we'll have selected some organization that will set up this network of charging stations. Uh And then it'll be their job to, they'll have the money to start the process of of putting them in place. Um, That's going to be exciting. I'm really excited to see that, you know, come to fruition and to really see items backing behind that and you guys will be able to promote that get some awesome you know media publicity you know goodwill out of that thing too i can imagine yeah sarah sarah's on the line here so i mean sarah will be like you know social media posting like crazy on that i can imagine well yeah you know sarah bonnick actually has a she has a very expensive uh, tesla and she just doesn't it often come into the work. It, it look, She's actually at work right now. It's one of those few days that she comes in, <laughs> mostly because she's scared of coming to work because she's worried her Tesla will run out she of She might juice. get a scratch or something. <laughs> and, and get a scratch. And you know, so she is looking forward to the establishment of this uh, statewide network so that she can go visit her mom and dad uh, instead of you know, sending them emails and stuff because right now she's not leaving the house. Right, oh, that's Sarah? Great. Yeah, I'm too scared. Too scared, huh? 
Oh, that's great. No, I love that. So, so that's one big program. I mean, that's, that's a, that's actually, you know, quite large. So we're thinking like your, your maximum funds available for this program is like what, $6 million or something I heard. Yeah, is, that, is that about right? Right. It's about $6 million. And okay. about 10% of that will go to some of the, what, what we call level two charging stations, Sean. Okay. Level yep. two are, uh, they take more time, about 210 minutes to charge up your car fully. Um, mm-hmm. uh, level a lot of the, the fast charging stations take, oh, uh, I don't know, 20 minutes or something like that. Gotcha. So, okay. So the fast charging stations will be statewide. We'll also put in place these level two charging stations. You see them at, at places like uh, uh, shopping malls and other places where people will uh, park their car, do some shopping, come back in a couple hours kind of thing. And it's good. Uh, Put one next to a Starbucks. I can guarantee you'll have people sitting there all day charging. No them. doubt about it. That's exactly <laughs> right. I, I, think I think that's a great proposed proposal. So, so that's one of the big initiatives we're working on. We've got a ton of others. We're going to continually work to uh, have some areas of the state um, that currently are not in um, not meeting our national ambient air quality standards redesignated. Right to be in compliance or in attainment with our national ambient air quality standards. We're working on Northwest Indiana and uh, Southeast Indiana. Most of the concerns there have to do with monitors that are really not in the state of Indiana. The way we Uh, determine whether or not an area is attaining standards is we have um, monitors placed in in different areas and in big cities like chicago and their metropolitan Uh areas epa lumps those areas together so Uh, it's a little biased yeah right chicago land for example includes gary and laporte porter counties and as well as uh, northern areas of chicago and, and wisconsin and uh, there's an there, there's a monitor, an air quality monitor that's in actually Wisconsin that does not meet uh, the national ambient air quality standards. And so therefore, therefore Indiana is not meeting the, the That's OK. That's, that's right. That's ridiculous, in my opinion. I think we need to kind of fight that. <laughs> well, and, and we have uh, tried to fight that in the past <laughs> uh, unsuccessfully. No, uh, but. <laughs> Uh, we're hoping that actually uh, improvements in air quality have occurred in that area so that we'll be able to have them um, uh, delisted or, or listed as in attainment. Oh, and and we're looking forward to that. And I think next year will be the year that, that we accomplish that. I want to thank Bruno Bigot for coming on to the show today. And, uh, you know, that was episode one. So if you want to hear episode two, check it out. It's on deck next. But if you got questions for Bruno and you want to know what's going on with IDEM and, and what they're doing to protect the environment and help Indiana transform into a cleaner place to live, check out their website at www.in.gov backslash IDEM. Or you can email Bruno at bpigot at idem.in.gov. We'll also put a link to his contact information on my website. To listen to future environmental transformation podcasts, just, you can check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and other podcast networks. Or you can check me out on my website at www.seankgrady.com. 
You can also follow me on Instagram or the Environmental Transformation Podcast Facebook page. If you enjoyed the podcast episode, don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends. Thanks for listening. And until next time, make a positive impact in someone's life today.